thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Well, this morning we have a, a guest from Convoy of Hope. He was one of the gentlemen on the, uh, on the video you just saw. And I, I had a great, my wife and I had a great honor of being with um, Convoy of Hope and some of the folks a, a few weeks ago and spending time with them, hearing more about their vision and what they're doing and how God is using them. And, and, I, and I heard um, the individual speaking to us this morning, Michael McNamee, speak. And what he said really moved me. He really spoke deeply to my heart, and, and I was really excited about him coming and speaking to us today. But Michael, just so you know, give a little background of him. He was in the IRA. He was, he's from Ireland. He was in the IRA. He was a trained assassin for years, and God got a hold of his life through the testimony of a cute little girl. So listen, cute little girls, you never know what you can do to a, to a bullheaded Irishman. Um, and he gave his life to Jesus, and his life was changed forever, and he'll share a little bit about that as well. But he's been a missionary with the Assemblies of God for over 30 years. He's a church planter in key cities across Europe, which I really believe is one of the great harvest fields of our, of our time. And God is using him to do amazing things. As you saw, he's serving many different capacities. He's going to be sharing his story and his heart and what God's doing with him and through him and Convoy of Hope today. So open your heart, open your spirit. May God speak to us deeply today. Let's welcome Michael McNamee. Bless you, brother. Have a good night. Amen. Boy, I tell you what, it changes your voice when you're here in Rocky Mountain High. I used to speak like a Chinese accent. I've got an Irish accent. That's not true. Do you understand? Many people want to be Irish. Many people are Irish. When you go to heaven, you'll all be Irish. That woman got excited. Please follow me around. If you don't understand the word I say at the moment, just guess. First time I came to America, I went to a Dairy Queen. True story. And I said to the woman, I want a strawberry sundae. She looked at me. Huh? I said, I want a strawberry sundae. She said, the toilets are at the back. Strawberry sundae, toilets. I think I've got better than that. Do you understand what I say? Say amen. I'm in the greatest country in the world, the United States. Why is America great? 43 million Irish people live here. Why is America great? 17 American presidents have been Irish. The rest of them are your fault. Get a new one. America is great because this country has been established on the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some amongst you who are trying to rob you of that freedom. They're trying to take it away. They're trying to make your kids believe things that they told you shouldn't believe. But we are here this morning to say no to them and yes to Jesus. Because we know one thing. We know one thing. When America gets too big for God, America will fall. But through the mist, and through the storm, the star-spangled banner still bright. Look, it flies proudly 
to warn people like me who are not American that America still cares. And on behalf of 725 million people in Europe who give you the gospel, I say to them this morning, don't worry. America is still great. And may I say one thing, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. May God bless this church. God bless you. And may God this morning bless the United States of America. Let's applaud. We're here this morning because America is great in generosity. And this church is one of the most generous churches in the nation. In the last years, this church has helped build Bible schools, churches. Well, there'll be tens, hundreds of thousands of people standing before the throne on the final day because of your sacrifice. America is great because of the spirit of generosity. And I'm here this morning to tell you about Convoy of Hope Europe. You know, I am Irish, sorry. If you don't understand me, sorry. I have a lot of slides which you can read and you can read your bulletin if you do that. Let's read from the book of Psalms this morning. Psalms, say Psalms. Psalms. Say Holy Spirit. 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 Say it. Spirit. Spirit. I'm not ashamed. Ashamed. You're magically delicious. Let's open our books, our Bibles, at the book of Psalms, chapter 2. And we're going to read from first number. You ready for this It. No, it. You guys talk so funny. It's almost incomprehensible to me. Say it. Seven plus one, four plus two, four plus three. La, 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 la. Here we go. I get worse, by the way. By the way, the doors are locked. You can't leave. You have to stay and listen to this, Gibbridge. Only ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, for the whole earth as your possession. God says to us, only ask, all his condition. I said to somebody this morning, prayer, if prayer is so central to our needs, why is it peripheral in our actions? If we pray this morning and ask, God will give us our nations, nations, not just our neighbors, not just our family. My wife is a psychologist. God help me. She has never helped me in her life. She thinks I've got issues. We no longer speak. She just looks at me and takes notes. <laughs> but she tells me that most Christians will never live to their potential. And God this morning said to us that he was going to give us nations. Heavenly Father, we reach out and we touch the hem of your garment this morning. We will stand, some of us tonight, looking at the window, waiting for the prodigal to come home. Some of us are sick in our bodies. Like some elusive butterfly, the Holy Spirit has not yet touched us. Our tears have stained the carpet of this altar a multitude of times. And yet we stand, Lord God, this morning, or sit this morning, and we are in need. Our country is fragmented. Basics have fallen apart, and we, we cry out in despair. And the world looks at us and says, Yankee, go home. And we say, well, if that's what they mean, we will go home. But no, Lord. The thing that separated America from the rest of the world is its generosity. And Father, we pray this morning that we would be something special in you. Father, listen to this. You can only bless who we are, not who we want to be. You can only bless who we are, not who we want to be. 
So, Father, make our wanting and our desires to be more like your reality. Help us to be something special in you, Lord God. And this morning, Lord God, in the midst of this sanctuary, do something, something that's going to transform our world for you. We love Let's just wait in the presence of the Lord just a moment. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I come from Ireland. I live in Brussels, Belgium. Recently, they blew up the airport in Brussels, Belgium. I came through it two days ago. 31 people killed. All over Europe, there are people, young men and women, strapping fists to their body and blowing themselves up and think they're martyrs. Let me tell you about a martyr. A martyr, it's the death. No, no. It's the cause and not the death that makes the martyr. It's the cause and not the death. And this morning we have the greatest cause in all the world. When everybody else feels we should stand, lift up the bloodstained banner of the cross, and walk to the sound of a different drum, for it's the cause and not the death that makes the martyr. God has called us this morning to be different. When you're Irish, that's easy. We dance, we sing, nobody understands the word we say. But God has called us to be different. I wish I was tall like Pastor Jason. I wish I was good looking like Pastor Jason. I wish I dressed like, I don't like Pastor Jason. But God looks at me, look at this. My hair is gone. McDonald's is disturbing my stomach. But God looks at me every morning and goes, coochie, 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 coo. Because God sees something in me. I look, at the, I look in the mirror, in the mirror, say mirror, in the bathroom, the mirror, the mirror. It's what they brought the baby Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't like that, but God looks, God sees something in me, he sees something in us. Could you believe in the middle of the worst economic crisis in America and all that's happening in America, these people here, Pastor George and Pastor Jason, have got together and said, we're going to do something for missions this morning. This church is going through a transition. America's going through a transition. Let me tell you about transitions. Transitions are often difficult. Sometimes delicate, but always definite. Defining. Some people are completely terrified of change. Some are tolerant of it. And some thrive on it. Whether you like it or not, there are many people here in my generation, whether you like it or not, the world is changing. And we in the church, have, without compromise, have also got to change. This church is changing. There's going to be a transition to this church in the next few months. A good one. But the, the compromise must never come in. We must not forget why God has called us, not just to reach this community, but to reach a world that is lost. You've got a choice. These people got together, Pastor George, Pastor Jason, and the staff. They want to have a vision for God. Think about the fastness of their vision. A vision like they have can only come from God. But we want to tell you something about ourselves. We are stewards and not owners. We must be more interested in influence than affluence. Our importance is in a heavenly inheritance, not earthly investment. God creates opportunities, but he values obedience. This church this morning has an opportunity, but every other church says, no. We're tired of it. This church says, yeah, no, 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 no. We want to reach out and touch our world. 
When I became a Christian, the Lord called me to the continent of Europe, my own continent. And it's difficult because I'm a church planter. America is a wonderful, wonderful country. A gallon of gas here costs $2. In Europe, where I live now, $7. It used to be $11. $7 for a gallon of gas. I can't afford that. I put my wife in the car. No, no, no. I get into the car and she pushes. <laughs> we have her on a fitness program. We're starting to do hills now. Nobody wants to come to Europe except as a tourist. The average church in Brussels is 20 people, dysfunctional people. As I was a church planter, I would speak every day for three days, 365 days a year to start a church. And at the end of that year, I would have 25 dysfunctional people. I did 11 times. I would come to America, and Latin American mission would say, we just reached 20,000 people in one day. Africa, we just healed 10,000 people got healed. And I'm there from Europe. I'd say, last time I preached in Germany, somebody went like this. I was really excited, and I found out it was the air conditioning. I said, Germany, where would we be without humor? Germany. Have I just offended somebody? Let's move on. And so I said to my wife, I can't do this anymore. What do you say? I said, I'm going to go to Latin America. I'm going to go to our father, Colorado. It's better there. She says, Michael, send me to listen to you. I don't care what the Bible says. When my wife does this, it's over. She says, God has called you to Europe. Listen to your sermons. They're not that good. But listen to them. I said, and in the camp in Illinois, God dropped me to the ground. He said to me, your heart is right. Your presentation is wrong. And he showed me the ministry of Convoy of Hope International out of Springfield, Missouri. He said, I want you to do the equivalent of this in Europe, but start churches. Now, we partner with people all over the world. We do social, physical, and spiritual. We take a community where no, there's never been a church for 2,000 years. We feed people. We clothe people. We work with traffic women. We, we build their homes. We do it, and at the end of that, we leave behind a church. In the last 10 years, we've been in 56 countries, started to see them out of churches, ministered to 2 million people, and we feed people and clothe people, all because God put me in the right place. You see, the fastness of Ephesians, Vision like what they have can only become reality as we are willing to dream God's dreams. What is a dream God has for you? I stop just a moment right now. Every single person in this church has been called by God to do something. Time is flying by. Right now, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the years have not been wasted. Time has not come to an end. What God has called you to do it's going to happen. Believe. Do not accept the status quo. Revelation comes before preparation. In the name of Jesus, I pray that God will give you revelation even this morning and prepare you for the, the, the task that lies ahead. Ephesians, I guess, what we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for others remains and is immortal. Think about that. Think about that. This is what I started doing in Convoy of Hope. I used to just go somewhere and preach every single day and hope some people came. Now we go to places where nobody else goes. Our first place we went to was Albania, a town that nobody had ever been to. And it was known for one thing, rats. I hate rats. I despise rats. Rats are my... Yeah. In Ireland, we have a word called eebie-jeebies. You go, eebie-jeebies. Rats give me the eebie-jeebies. So I went to this place where nobody else would go to rats all over 
and nobody killed them because the people are so dumb. How can these people get so dumb? They bite and they, they don't care. They're so miserable. They're so poor. They're so helpless. They're so hopeless. Their kids are bitten by And they just let the kids. Ah. I said, this is where God's going to want me to start. So what we did was we did a convoy of Hope First Outreach. We treated people with love and kindness. I walked up to the pimps who don't understand the word I say, just like you guys this morning, don't understand the word I say. And they laughed at me. And I said, I'm here to take back what the devil has stolen through you. They disappeared. We started feeding kids. We started clothing kids. We started putting them in school. And we did everything in the name of Jesus. And finally, the women in their burqas, the Muslims, because they love their kids too, they said, why are you doing this? He said, because 2,000 years ago, when across the Calvary, there was a noise, and a stone was moved away, and a light shone from an empty tomb, and Jesus has risen, and Jesus loves you. We started now 56 churches in Europe. That's a lot in Europe. And millions of people have been worked out and fed, because, you see, vision like this requires all of us. All of us. One thing I've learned about coming, I've become the America for 30 years. I think it's the greatest country in the world. Both my daughters live here. One of my daughters lives in Los Angeles. Uh... One of my daughter lives in Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho, it's the end of the world. They make potatoes, the second best potatoes in the world. The first best potatoes come from Ireland. I have two grandkids there. They also live in America, obviously, because they're with my daughters. I love America, but America has changed. I remember I used to go on Christian TV all the time. I said, I'm a Christian. People say, oh, you're, oh. now you say you're a Christian in America. I can speak in schools in Russia and Ukraine. I can't speak in schools in America. And every time I look at TV in the morning, have you ever watched TV in the morning in America? It's kind of weird. There's a lot of weird people on there. Is there anybody not dysfunctional between 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock on American TV? And they always have one Christian, and he's weird too. I said, what is happening in this, this great country? And it's about time we stood up and stopped the focal minority talking. We cannot allow the focal minority to dominate the desired direction of the convinced majority. It's about time Christians stood up again and started talking. Let me tell you what's happening in my world. I want to show you the photograph of the two, the two women. We work primarily amongst Muslims. People say to me, do you work with ISIS? The answer, yes. If, you, if I give you money this morning, Michael, you're going to work? Yes, I can work with ISIS. You know why? There's 100 migrants in front of me, refugees. 50% of them are genuine refugees. 30% are migrants, economic refugees, at least 20. 10 of them are walking. No, just walking. Far as gone, but let's go for a walk. Walk, walk, walk. At least 10 of them who hate us. Of those 10, two of them are ISIS. You said to me, why are you feeding ISIS? I'm trying to win them to Jesus Christ. I didn't like that at first. I said, but I'm ministering to these refugees all across Europe, 1.6 million of them, and some of them are ISIS. And the Lord said to me, be careful what you perceive as the enemy, I perceive as the harvest. Never went in refugees and ISIS to the Lord. The girl on the left is a refugee from Syria. The woman on the right was my PA for 10 years, and I lives back in Memphis, Tennessee. The girl on the left lived in Syria with her husband, her brother, and her mother, and two kids. They were in a small village in Syria, and ISIS came through and said, all Christians, into the center of the town. The Christians walked in, she walked with them. They took out her husband, and they said, are you a Christian, a Jesus follower? And he said, yes. 
They said, reject Jesus in 15 seconds. He said, no, and they decapitated him. They decapitated her mother. They decapitated her brother. And they were going to decapitate her, and they said, no. You see, there are two armies in ISIS. I know there's some kids here this morning. I'll be careful. There's two armies in ISIS, the military and the rapists. They brought in the rapists, and they pointed to her. Her young son threw herself across her body and said, no, leave my, leave my mother alone. And these guys who have no conscience let her go. And she escaped. She somehow found her way to southern Bulgaria. And in southern Bulgaria, we have an oasis center where we give food to certain refugees. Come, we hope you're oasis center. Oasis center. Every Sunday night, in fact, around about this time because we're seven hours ahead of you, they have a church service. And Sonia and her kids are not church service. And that oasis center was provided through the generosity of an American church. And one day, one day you will stand with countless hundreds of thousands as a product and a fruit of the generosity of this church here in Nevada, Colorado. May the Lord bless each and every one of you. The value of this vision. We can sit here and church after church in America is contacting me now and some of they're sending me. Michael, we've loved having you in our church. Never understood the word you said. But we're no longer supporting outside the country. We don't like what people are saying about us. We're not going to support missions anymore. Yet in the midst of all this confusion, transition, our very core basics are being destroyed. Solomon Gomorrah is rampant. Our kids are being listened to stuff. This church has talked about the value of the vision. They said, if you really want to do something, you will find a way. If you don't, you will find an excuse. Think about that this morning. Here's what we do in Convoy of Hope Europe. We go into a place that nobody else will go to. And we clean the place up. We kill rats. I have cleaned toilets. I haven't been cleaned in 10 years. Not, my, the worst, not the best thing I've ever done in my life. We feed the people. We clothe them. We put them in school. We fix their homes. And finally they say to us, why are you doing this? We tell them the story of the cross. Our stone was moved away in the garden of Gethsemane. And the light shone from an empty tomb of Jesus Christ rose from the dead and says, greater things than you do. The love of God. There's nothing that can stop love. Nothing stops love. One thing used to bother me about our ministry, I'm a father of two daughters who both live in America, as I just said to you. And one of the things that always came up with us, I would talk to young girls at our outreaches to Bulgaria, Albania, Romania, Croatia, Serbia, all of they would say, we're going to go to Brussels and become a nanny. He says, no, you're not. They're trying to traffic you. No, 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 no. One of them said to me, anything is better than this. And it bothered me. You see, I have this thing in one land. I say, men, are you listening to me, men? I hope some of you squirm with embarrassment. Men are called not to be predators, but men are called to be protectors. I have two daughters, two grandkids. I said, how can, how can Convoy of Hope, how can we reach these traffic women? 
Somebody invited me to go to Madrid, Spain. Modern city. We walked through the back streets and up the stairs. This Scottish woman married to a, a Spanish pastor has this halfway house for trafficked women. Rescued them. I walked in the door, there's a sociologist, there's a psychologist, and there's all these women sitting there. They said to me, Michael, will you speak to me? I said, no, 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 no. You they speak to me, and they give their testimonies. I can't give all their testimonies this morning. Let me give you a testimony of one. A young girl, 26 years of age, from Colombia. She had to going to be a nanny in Barcelona. They took her, took her passport, and they, they chained her to a basement in an apartment in Barcelona. And for 18 months, they woke her up every 20 minutes. Every 20 minutes to be intimate with a stranger. And she escaped. And she stood up in front of me and she took her testimony and I cried. She became the epitome of everything I believe in. The world is hurting and the world is lost. And we're involved in religiosity. We now support that ministry. Entirely Convoy of Hope Europe. Over 50 women were delivered last year, set free, jobs and everything, through the power of the gospel. For there is no answer to the love of God. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. But listen to this next one. The pain of discipline weighs ounces, but regret weighs tons. When I die, and it's getting there, I can see it in sight. Hi, guy. I'm going to the Irish part of heaven, the fun part. I will not say on my deathbed, I wish I had a love less. I wish I had a given less. I wish I had a kissed less babies. I wish I had been a worse husband, a worse father. Regrets, discipline, sacrifice, generosity, it weighs ounces, but regrets weighs tons. Here's my favorite saying in the whole world. Kindness is a language the deaf can hear and the blind can see. I was brought up in Ireland, Belfast. My father was uh, involved with, a ter- with an army, a terrorist army, for many years. I grew up, I despised anything that was not Catholic. I never met a Protestant. I hated English people. When I was 16, I joined a youth movement of a guerrilla army known as the IRA. I signed a piece of paper. I said, I, John Michael McNamee, do hereby swear to kill as many Protestants as I, and English people as I can. Even though the streets of Ireland run red with blood, I will continue until Ireland is a Catholic country. You look at me today, and I look so cute. Thank you for four of you. How could anybody think like that? Nobody ever told me about the love of Jesus Christ. When I was 19 years of age, I led a hit group of nine young men, plus me. Eight of them were killed. I then became a politician. I would stand in front of the schools and say, young people, stop just talking. Give up your life. Do something with your life. Give your life for Ireland. But there's something in you from the moment you're born, you're born with a spirit inside you that creates satisfaction. You turn to drink, you turn to drugs, you turn to 
well, perversions. But nothing will satisfy until you meet the Spirit of the living God. So when I was 28 years of age, I decided one thing. I was no longer a freedom fighter. I was an assassin. So I said I was going to kill myself. And I tried to kill myself. But I was too much of a coward to shoot myself. So I said, I'll be involved in the front line. But I never got killed. I was miserable. Everything I ever believed in, I didn't. I, did, I, I just, there was nothing left. One day, a young girl walked up to me and said to me, I've been watching you, Michael. You have a problem. I said, what? He said, you need Jesus. I said, what? She walked away and she was gorgeous looking. I went, whoa. What did she just say? She said, you need Jesus. I kept bumping into her and said, you need Jesus. 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 And it was starting to get to me. One day I was in a bar with two of my friends in the center of Belfast. And they were talking. I said, I met this girl. And they said, wah. A girl? What's wrong with you, Michael? I don't know, but she's different. I didn't know that there was a bomb underneath the dance floor of this bar put by my own colleagues. And I said, ah, stuff it. I was drunk, and I was walking towards the, and the, the bomb exploded. The door flew over my head. An interesting thing, they said I was so close to the bomb, that's why I survived, which is kind of stupid, but that's what they tell me anyway. My two friends I was just talking to, one had his face blown off by flying glass. Nobody was killed, but over around about 75 to 80 people were hurt, lost their arms or legs. I'm standing outside. I'm cut and bleeding. I lost 40% use of my left hand. I'm cutting them. What is this? Somebody said to me, your friends did that. And I, my friends? But they, they, they couldn't. And my whole life. I went to hospital. You don't get this ugly normally. I was cut to pieces. And this young girl came to the hospital, the young girl I talked about, she says, you need Jesus. I said, no, I don't know. I, this is, I don't need you. She said, my father's a minister. He's having a meeting tomorrow night. And she came the next night in a little car, and she was so good looking. I said, I'm going to go with her. And I walked up to the, she drove me to this church. She said, I'll park the car. You go into the building there. And I went into the building. I have bandages and stuff, and I could hardly walk. And I looked in, there's this bunch of people, the weirdest people I've ever seen in my life. In fact, you remind me of them. <laughs> Singing and going, hey, and I go, these are a bunch of weirdos. What I didn't know was that my, the girl had given her father, the preacher, a photograph of me. And so I sat down in the back and he started to preach and he looked down and he saw me and he went, and I'm going, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, Jesus died for you. And I said, I'm going like this, Jesus died? I'd seen people die. And something started to happen to me. He said, there's a, there's a girl here who needs healing. I'm going, healing? A girl needs healed? He's a doctor. He's a preacher and a doctor. He's making big money. He said, this girl who was deaf and dumb, be healed. And I'm going, what? Be healed? She started running around, pointing at her ears. I ran out of the building. I thought it was the end. I was, up, I was looking for the angels. I couldn't believe I was. I couldn't understand one thing, how people could be normal walking up and down. They were normal. How could they be normal? So I ran back into the building. I forced my way to the front, and I said to the, 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 her father, I don't understand this, but I want it. 
And I cried out to a God I didn't even know I existed. And a half an hour later, I stood up and I was healed and transformed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The kindness of God is a language that death can hear in a blanket sea. My friends didn't like what I was doing. I a quick story here. They tried to assassinate me, and so I fled. The good-looking girl, she studied psychology. She knew the future. And she married me. You know why she married me? I had borrowed some money off her and bought her an engagement ring. <laughs> You've got to be wise, gentlemen. You've got to be wise. And they bought, borrowed some more money off her. And we got married. And now we minister all across the world. My brother was assassinated because of my commitment. My parents didn't speak to me for years. None of them except the Lord Jesus Christ. My brother and sister don't speak to me. But kindness is a language that they have to blank and see. We're asking you this morning to help us. Convey Hope International feeds 150,000 kids a day. We've just broken into Eurasia, Russia. We have 10 events this year. In the next, next three months, we'll have 10 events. No other NGO is allowed in there like we are. Thousands have come to the Lord because kindness, kindness is a language that they have to hear in the blank and see. I said at the start of the meeting this morning, God can only bless who you are, not who you want to be. Every day of my life in Europe, I got to swim against the current. See, only dead fish swim with the current. As a Christian, we're not dead. Only dead fish swim with the current. Every morning, we've got to swim against the current. America today, yeah, you go home. What are we going to do this morning? You work 240 days a year, most of you. We're going to ask you to take your yearly salary, divided by 240, and give that to help us one day to feed the world. I can't go anywhere else. Even today, it's a struggle for me to go back to Ireland. But I want to say something to you. Your desire will determine your destiny. Your desire will determine your destiny. God has promised you nations. But this morning, I cannot take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Today your desire will determine their destiny. I have nowhere to go. For people like me, America is the only place to go to. But thankfully through the mist and through the storm this morning, I see the stars bangled banners still flying. And with every sincere bone in my heart and my being, I say, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless this church. And this morning, may the Lord bless the United States of America. God bless you. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.